Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come into the house of God, to renew our spirit, to bring the joy of the Lord into our hearts, to fellowship with you and to one another, which is so important. And we pray this morning, Lord God, that your anointing would come upon us, that your heart would flow through my lips, and that, God, we would hear what the Holy Spirit would say to the church this morning. And we'll be careful, Lord, to give you honor and praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week I spoke to you about the subject, A Little While, concerning time. And this morning I would like to speak to you on the subject, time management. Time is very important. We all get 24 hours in a day when God wakes us up. And what we do with that time is most important to God and should be most important to others that we're involved in. Time goes by very quickly, as you know. It was just yesterday I could see myself in the schoolyard of PS204 playing stickball or softball or football. Seems like yesterday that I was doing those things. But time goes by quickly. And God, I believe, is trying to give us a message this morning. And this is a somber message in some parts. And some might think it's depressing. But to me, it's illuminating. And when I was given this sermon by the Lord to study and to develop it, I received a greater appreciation for time. When I was a young man, I was 17 years old, and doctors thought that I had some kidney disease that would cause me to have a premature death. And I remember coming home on the train in Brooklyn from the doctor, looking in the window of the train and having tears and thinking, how can I die at 17 years old? When I was a young man, there was a program on television called Run For Your Life, and the star actor was Ben Gazzara. And I identified with that because he had a year to live. And he was going to get the most out of life in a year. I guess I adopted that attitude when I was a young man. My father took me to a clinic. I went to New York City. And they found that I wasn't going to die. I was happy. My dad was happy. My family was happy. But ever since that time, I don't know that I've stopped. My wife says, it's hard to keep up with you. I've worked all my life. I've run like Ben Gazzara, tried to get out of every day the most that I can. I hate going to sleep. Sometimes I think it's a waste of time, but I know it's in God's plan. So I want to speak to you this morning about your time. We don't know how much time we have left before the Lord comes. We don't have, know how much time we have left for our own personal lives. But our relationships, our family, our friends, our church, the people we work with are important because we will have an influence on them, good, bad, or indifferent. In the book of Ephesians, God gives us a wake-up call. He says to get up. He says in Ephesians 5.14, When he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. I looked up the word awake in the Greek. It means to sit down and basically collect your thoughts It means to sit down and evaluate. It means to get up from a sitting or lying position. It means to get up from disease, to get up from inactivity. It means to stand once again in life and make a difference. Do something. Move out for God and your family. Become the best husband you can be. Become the best father you can be. Become the best pastor you can be. Become the best church member you could be. And God is trying to give us uh, a wake-up call here. And he says, oh, awake thou that sleepest. We've got to call people back from the dead. Oh, they're living. And they're moving. And they're breathing. And they've got clothes on today. But there's no one home. The light is out. They're going through the motions. And we do the same thing every day over and over and over without enthusiasm, without excitement. And I look at people and I look into their eyes and I see things that are missing. Mostly the Lord God. 
He says, awakest thou that sleepeth. People are falling asleep even in the church. They're falling asleep in our homes and in our, on our families. Euphemistically, it means to be dead. And I look at people, they're the dead among the living. They're just going through the motions. They eat, sleep, go to bed, wake up the next day, eat, sleep, go to bed, and do the same thing. No vision, no goals, no joy, no excitement. Just doing the same thing, waiting to die. It's a slow suicide. The Bible says in that verse, to arise from the dead. He means to stand up, lift up yourself, raise yourself up. And it means with repetition and intensity to reverse your situation. It means to get up off of our duff and do something different. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Stop saying, God, this is what I don't have. And thank God for what you do have. We have to get gratitude back in our spirit. We have to get thankfulness back in our spirit. People, I go to work and I say, good morning. And some say, what's so good about it? I say, first of all, you're vertical. Second of all, you're gainfully employed. And third of all, you're talking to me. What do you mean what's so good about it? Should we call the coroner? Should we call the funeral director and plan your funeral? Because, man, that's how you're living. That's not life. You're going through the motions. The Bible says, arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. He wants to shine upon us. God wants to give us his light. He said, I am the light of the world. And Christ wants to pour out that divine truth that comes to us. You know, we all get our spirits picked up when we look out the window and we see sunshine. I don't know what it is about sunshine. On a cloudy day, on a gloomy day, on a dark day, on a rainy day, we sort of get a depressed mood. But as soon as we wake up and we see the sun coming through the windows, all of a sudden we perk ourselves up and say, today is going to be a good day. Why do we say that? But how much greater is the day going to be when we have the light of God, the Son of God, S-O-N, shining upon us and saying to us, get up, awake, arise, praise God, and stand up one more time. You've got something to say. You've got something to do. God is trying to say something to us, and He's saying to us, get a vision for your life and wake up. He said in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and the glory shall be seen upon thee. We need that light. We need people to stop us and say, I don't know what's going on in your life, sir or ma'am, but you look different. There's a glow on your face. There's a glow on your life. Can you tell me why? And that's a great opportunity to allow people to tell people that we have the light of God. God says in Ephesians, he says to get up and wake up. But then he says, I want to talk to you about the way you live. In verse 15 of Ephesians 5, it says this. See that then that you walk circumspectly. A big word. Not as fools, but as wise. First of all, the word walk there is very important. It means to make one's way, and it means in Greek to progress. You can't progress if you're sitting in a situation like this, and all you're doing is moaning and groaning and hoping that things are going to change. You've got to get up off your dock. This is what God is trying to say. He says you've got to get up and walk. You gotta get up. You gotta get up out of the bed of affliction. You gotta get up out of the bed of depression. You know, people come to me and they say, I'm depressed. I say, that's okay. Go home and vacuum your house. Oh, I can't. I'm depressed. I said, what does one thing have to do with the other? Go home and do the dishes in the sink. Well, I'm depressed. What does one thing have to do with the other? Stay depressed, but go do the dishes. Stay depressed and go vacuum. Stay depressed and go to the beauty parlor and get your hair done. Stay depressed. They look at me like I'm out of my mind. One has nothing to do with the other. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of behavior. God says to walk. It means to make due use of opportunities. We let opportunities slip by us. Listen, if you put a plate of food before me, and you put spaghetti and meatballs and garlic bread and a piece of cheesecake on the side, I'm not going to pass up that opportunity. No, I'm not. But people are passing up spaghetti and meatballs, so to speak. They're passing up the garlic bread. They're passing up the cheesecake, so to speak, because they're not walking. God is saying, conduct yourself. 
And not only that, but in the Greek it means to pass one's life. It means to pass it on to your posterity. I want to be a good role model. I want my grandchildren to remember me as a man of God, as a servant of God. I want them to remember Grandpa as a man that held God in high esteem. That's what it means to walk. To pass on what you have in here to your children and to your grandchildren. And he says walk circumspectly, carefully. Watch your conduct. Everyone's looking at us. People are looking at us. And you see the criticism that we're getting as, crit- as Christians. Some can't even go to a restaurant without, without being criticized and being thrown out of a restaurant. Because we're in the spotlight. And eventually the blame of whatever happens in America is going to be put upon the church and upon the Christian. It's going to be our fault. Well, I thank God it's our fault right now that taxes are lower. That I have more money in my paycheck. If they want to attribute that to us, wonderful. I want to thank God that uh, the unemployment among uh, African Americans and the Spanish is the lowest it's been in the history. I want to thank God that there's more people working now than in many, many years. I, I praise God. If we're, if we're going to be indicted for that because of what, what the president is doing, well, praise God anyhow. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. I don't see any of those folks cashing in their paycheck and, and bringing back the difference and saying, hey, I don't want the raise. I don't want the money. I don't see any of those liberals doing that. Do you see that? Do you see anybody go to their personal office and say, hey, I think I need to make an adjustment. I've got too much money in my paycheck. I'd like to give some back. Oh, no, they're accepting that. They're accepting their raise in their paycheck. How come? So they're not crybabying about that. They want to attack us. It's important that we walk circumspectly, not as fools, not as unwise people, but as wise people. And what does it mean to be wise? Forming the best plans and using the best means for their execution. You have to have a plan in life. And a lot of people don't have a plan. Young people don't have a plan. They're walking in the wilderness. Asking a young person, well, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. And they're so tired of even talking to you that they just shrug their shoulders now. Without, they just go like this, which means I don't know. You should know. You should have a clue. You should be trying to find out what path you're going to walk in life. It's important. It's very important. The Bible says this in Ephesians 5.14. He says to get up. And then he says, I want you to consider the way you're living. And then he, he talks about the present moment. And this is time management. It says in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I said, Lord, what does that mean, redeeming the time? What does it mean to redeem the time? It means to buy the opportunity back. It means a ransom. It means to rescue from loss. It means to improve your opportunity. The word in the Greek means to go to the market like you're going to buy food or vegetables or fruit. That word, redeeming, means to gather. It means, again, through the idea of collecting your thoughts and your faculties. It means to awaken and to arouse from sleep. What does it mean to redeem the time? Dake's Bible says this, buying up those moments which others throw away. Improve every moment to make up for those that was lost in sin. I got saved later in life. What Dake is saying here, he's saying, buy the moment, buy the opportunity. Buy up those moments which others throw away. Improve every moment to make up for those lost in sin. What's God saying? Cherish your relationships. Cherish your family. Cherish the health that God has given you up to this point. Cherish your prosperity. Cherish the home that you're living in, the car that you drove here to church. Cherish the clothes that you have on your back. Because as we're speaking... Thousands and thousands of people are dying of starvation and lack of water as we're speaking right now. American Christianity is spoiled in some respects because we have forgotten where we've come from. We have forgotten the days of struggle. We have forgotten the days of war. We have forgotten the blood that's been shed on the battlefields. People don't appreciate I don't know how someone in Congress can say that they would burn the flag of America. Why is that person still in Congress? I have no idea why people will march through our country and through our states and cities with some foreign flag. I don't understand that. 
And we're giving them aid and medical attention. And we're sending them to school and they're not paying the bill. But they'll march and demonstrate in our streets with some foreign flag from some foreign country. Hey, listen, when my grandparents and your grandparents came to America, thank God they came here and became citizens of our country and built this country so I can have the conference that I have right now, praise God, in my life. They worked hard. My family never looked for a handout. My family worked hard in business, on the docks in Brooklyn and the docks in New York City. No one ever gave my dad a handout. No one ever gave my family a handout because we weren't looking for it. The work ethic was instilled in our hearts. Respect for authority and for our elders was instilled in our hearts. I don't see that in society anymore. I see people demonstrating in the street wanting socialism and communism. Wanting me to take my money that I've earned in a very hard way and just give it to them because they think they're entitled and they deserve it. You know what I tell people? Go get a job and go to work. That's what we do as Americans. That's what we do in the church. Go get a job and go to work. Because guess what? If I want to give you something, I'll give it to you from my heart. But don't tell me I have to give it to you. Buying the opportunity is like Christmas time. For storekeepers, this is their moment. This is their whole season. We must come to our senses concerning time and how it relates to our life and our future. We can just sit and remain the same, or we can get up and be roused from sleep and get serious about what we're doing with our lives. It's time to reevaluate. Buying the opportunity means let's get the most out of the moment. Consider the moment. Consider the breath that you have right now. I told you last week, when I have a cup of coffee in the morning, I say to myself, this could be the last cup of coffee I have in my life. I'm going to cherish it. When I'm with my wife, I say to myself, this could be the last moment that I'm with my wife. I'm going to cherish it. When I'm able to get out of bed and I can stand on two feet, I say, thank you, God, for my health. Thank you, Lord, I'm not in a wheelchair. Thank you, God, I'm not in a hospital. Thank you, Jesus. I cherish the moment. Hear a lot of people crabbing, murmuring, and crybabying. There's too much wasted time, and we must commit to making every moment count. We have to take inventory and ask ourselves, are we living a life of quiet desperation, just waiting to die? I look at folks who are older, and I say, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And they look at me like I've lost my mind and say, Rav, are you crazy? No. I said, you're going to get out of here one of these days. You're not going to be working here anymore. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I never thought about that. Well, what's your plan? You think you're just going to go golfing every day? You get sick and tired of that. It's like eating peanut butter and jelly every day. It doesn't matter if you put it on the top slice or the bottom slice. It's still going to be peanut butter and jelly. It gets pretty boring after a while. You know, you gotta got to give you some, something else, you know, like chicken parm or, you know, chicken salad, egg salad. You know, you got to do something a little bit different. People are not aroused from sleep. They don't consider the moment. And as an opportunity comes around, hmm, an opportunity to love, an opportunity to converse. You see, buying, buying the opportunity means it's a metaphor taken from merchants and traders who diligently observe and improve the seasons for merchandise and trade. Matthew Henry said that. Shopkeepers during Christmas say, this is my moment. If I don't make it during this season, my store will close. If I don't make it during this season, I will go out of business. I think we should adopt the same philosophy. We should say, I've got to consider the moments that God gives me today and make the best of it. I can't just let them fleet out of my hands. I just have to cherish those that come into my life, those that I converse with, those that I love. It's time to put down stuff that matters nothing to us. People argue about petty things. 
people hurt each other offensively with words that they shouldn't say. We should converse. We should fellowship. We should have those moments together. It's more than a picture. It's more than a photograph. It's making memories in our heart. It's making memories in our spirit. The Bible says to that the time, what time? Right now. That word time in Greek means the time when things are brought to a crisis. We're not too far from that, folks. And it says what? The time of evil. This is the time of evil. That we should be redeeming the time. This is the time of hardship. This is the time when we're going to be pressed and harassed by oppressing spirits. This is the time of peril. This is the time of wickedness. And we must make the most of our lives now as Christians. Because if we don't, we'll be held accountable for those moments. How much time do we waste every week with nonsense? How much time do we waste listening to other people's opinions? I never heard so much talk about a basketball player as I've heard about LeBron James. James. So he left Cleveland. So he goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. That's all people could talk about. That's all people could talk about. When LeBron James dies, will he go to heaven? Does he know Jesus? It doesn't matter if he makes $150 million. It doesn't matter if he lives in an $8 million mansion. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. But that's all people are talking about. And everyone has an opinion. Like they had an opinion of where he was going to be traded. Who cares? I never met the man. I probably will never meet the man. Is he a great basketball player? Absolutely. Absolutely. But to indulge in that conversation every day, every day, on the radio, on sports programs, on the news, is ridiculous. When there's so many people in our communities that are doing such great work, working with the disabled, working with the gifted, social work, helping people out of their emotional illness. We don't hear those stories in the newspaper because that doesn't sell. You know what sells? Some nut job on the roof of a building with a rifle killing people. You know what sells? Somebody in Trader Joe's store that's holding people hostage. That's what sells. That's what's on the news. They shouldn't even put those people's faces on the news. They shouldn't put those people's names on the news. But we keep showing the same face that killed 8 people or 10 people or 20 people. Why do we do that? We give them notoriety. We give them the opportunity to be so-called famous. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, God talks to us about priorities. I want to talk to you for a few minutes. It says, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know what the word unwise means? It means to be mindless and stupid. It actually means to be ignorant. It means to be egotistic. It means to fence yourself in or enclose yourself. It means to block up. It means to be senseless, foolish, and stupid without reflection or intelligence. It means to act rashly. God is saying, what's your priority? So many people are impulsive. I ask people sometimes, why did you do that? I don't know. Why did you buy that? I don't know. Why did you make that decision? I don't know. The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall everything be established. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. But do we do the biblical thing? No. God is saying, what's your priority? We act as unwise people sometimes. And what does it say? It says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know what that word understanding means? It means to be in coherence with Jesus. It means to be in coherence with the Holy Spirit. And holding God's hand and saying, God, what direction should I be going? Because man by nature is impulsive. Man by nature makes decisions outside of God, ex cathedra. That's what man does. And then man gets himself in trouble. I heard a frightening statistic lately, I believe, if you're 65 years old, that I believe it was, they said half the people who are 65 years old are in terrible debt. How can you retire if you're in debt? How can you retire if you're in debt? How can you live your whole life as a baby boomer and have no money saved? 
How does that work? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you with me this morning? So people are going into their twilight years, and that's why we're seeing senior citizens going back to work. Because of debt. Time management. In terms of finances. We have not allowed God to conquer our spending habits. We've not allowed God to conquer our financial impulsivity. And as a result, we live as fools without understanding. When God says, live with understanding. To be intimately involved with God and ask God concerning those decisions that need to be made in life. That's what God is saying. What's important? What's your priority? To buy that? To buy that? To do that? What's the priority? God is saying, what's important to you? What's the most thing that's important to you? To me, it's serving God and my family. That's what's important to me. Seeing people in my family go to heaven. Seeing my friends in the church go to heaven. That's what's most important. That's what's a priority. What is the will of God? The will of God is the purpose of God for our life. And so many people have not found out what their purpose in life is. And they wander aimlessly in the wilderness. And as a result, it's like throwing paint on a wall and expecting the Mona Lisa to appear. It's not going to happen. You have to do something. You have to be in coherence with God. You have to abide in Him. And He will direct you. We should redeem the time, Paul says, because the time is evil. But there are other reasons to redeem the time. And I want to go over some of those reasons with you this morning. And the biggest reason is this. Because life is short. Stay with me for a few minutes. Psalm 89 verse 47 says this. Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? Remember how short my time is. James chapter 4 verse 14 says this. Whereas you know not what shall be tomorrow. For what is your life? It's a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. See, I'm talking to you about considering the moment. God's talking to me about considering the moment. Enjoying the moment with God and with those that you love. And enjoying the opportunities that God puts before you. In Genesis chapter 47 verse 9, And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of my years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. And I have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. You know what, uh, Abraham, you know what Jacob was saying? I'm not going to live as long as my dad lived. And I believe this is the first generation that's been born that's probably not going to outlive their parents. Time is short. Here's what the word says in Psalm chapter 90 verse 10. The years of our life are 70. Or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. I turned 70 in January, so I'm I'm on borrowed time. That's the way I look at my life. I'm on borrowed time. Every day that God gives me past 70. He says, if I get to 80, he says, it's not going to be without trouble and toil. (laughs) Think about it. Oh, you know, when we're 10 or 15 or 20, we want to be 30. And we always want to be older when we're younger. But when we're older, we want to be younger. We can't get it right. But God promises us 70. And he says it's good if you can get to 80. Think about it. I want you to think about this. I don't want you to get depressed on me. Because this was illuminating to me. This, this instills in me that I've got to make more, most of my life from this point on. More than I've ever done. I've worked all of my life. I've enjoyed working. I want God to give me vision and goal. I don't want to just go sit down in a rocking chair and say, okay, now I can rest. No, there's work to be done. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. I want to have some kind of influence on my family, my grandchildren. I want to see them grow up. Maybe marry some of them. Who knows? Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, and, and, and as were our, our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there's none abiding. Our days are like a shadow. And people are wasting time, and crybaby, and murmuring, and fighting, and arguing, and having dissension. That's right. It's ridiculous that our breath can be taken from us in a moment. 
The Bible says in Job chapter 9 verse 1, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Think about it. Think about when you're cutting the grass. That's like your life. Here today, gone tomorrow. Psalm 102 verse 11 says, My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I'm withered like grass. Psalm 925 says, Now my days are swifter than a post. What does that mean? My days go by faster than the fastest runner in the Olympics. They flee away. They see no good. Proverbs chapter 90 verse 10. The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, 80 years old, yet there is strength, labor, and sorrow. What's God saying? It's not going to get easier. What's he saying in Proverbs 90 and verse 10 in the HCSB version? It says, our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Thank God if you've got health this morning. Thank God if you're in your right mind. Thank God you're not in a nursing home this morning. But we cry about what we don't have. We cry when our hamburger is not on time. We cry when we have to wait online for a few extra minutes. Think about it. Psalm 39, 5 says, You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. This is somber thinking and somber scriptures to get our attention to wake up, to get out of the mully grubs, to get out of that boredom. People don't, Understand that time is precious. It's like a truck driver. Time is money for him. When he's on the road, he's making money. When he's in one of those rest stops, he's not making money. He's got to deliver the goods. He's got to deliver every piece that's in that trailer. He probably gets paid per piece. Time is money. Time for us is precious. The Bible says, why should we redeem the time? We should reflect upon the following, that yes, life is brief. It says in Psalm 90 and 12, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Number our days. Think about life. Think about what you have. Think about who you sleep with. Think about who you eat with. Think about who you're friends with. Think about it. Understand the beauty of life. God gives us wisdom. On how to live our life each day. And what does God do? He wants us to accomplish something in our life. And He gives us time. He caused us to be born where we were born. Of the parents we were born with. He wants us to evaluate and reevaluate God, our family, our friends. Why should we redeem the time? Young people should reflect on the following verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1. Listen to this. We need to teach this to young people. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars is dim to your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, guards of your house, starts to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, Your few remaining servants stop grinding and before your eyes, the women looking through windows seen dimly. You know what he's saying? When you get older, you lose some teeth. When you get older, your eyes begin to dim. When you get older, your legs become a little bit not as strong as they were when you were young. This is what young people don't understand because they think, oh, I'm young, I'm going to be this way all the time. No, you're not. Life will change. Life has seasons. And they take their youth for granted. Trust me, you will be going to the dentist more as you get older. You will be going to the eye doctor more when you get older. This is what he's saying. Here, let me continue. It says, remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds. You know what that means? You don't sleep like you used to. You hear the birds three o'clock in the morning now when the windows are open. That's what it means. You don't sleep soundly. You don't sleep eight hours. 
You're up at three o'clock in the morning and you're saying, man, I hear the birds singing. That's what, this, is what, this is what Solomon warned us about. This is what's going to happen. And people don't understand this when they're young. They think, oh, I'll be young forever. No, I was 20, then I was 30, then I was 40, then I was 50, then I was 60, and now I'm 70. How did that happen? How did that happen? Enjoy your moments. I said, enjoy your moments. Look into the eyes of your loved ones. Enjoy your moments. So that when your eyes close forever... And you go into eternity, you could say from your heart, I have no regrets concerning the life that I've lived. I've used my time wisely. And I've taken the opportunities that God has given me to heart. What's he say? Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. You know what that means? Oh, don't fall and break your hip because then you're going to die and get pneumonia. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's warning us. You see, when you get older, you worry about falling. When you get older, you worry about the ice more. You worry about the snow more. You just do that. When you're young, I play football in snow. I play football in zero degree weather, below zero weather. I played with abandon. Hurt, injuries, it didn't matter. When you're older, I tell people... You know how you know you're getting a little older? I had a laugh in that work recently. I said to one of my sergeants, I said, hey, Sarge, you know when you know you're getting older? When you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't walk to the bathroom, but you shuffle. <laughs> he cracked up. I said, isn't it true? He said, I guess I'm getting older, Rev. You start shuffling to the bathroom in the middle of the night. What does he say to the young people? He says, remember, before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white, mine left. (laughs) And you drag along without energy like a tying grasshopper and a capybara no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Recovery Bible. What's he saying? Now you might get depressed when you read that. I was illuminated. I was charged because it reinforced the idea in my life of cherishing every moment that I'm living. Not slacking. Yes, in my life to reevaluate, I have to have more relaxation. And I have to consider those moments with my family, my loved ones, and my friends. I have to make some adjustments that way. It's hard when you've worked all of your life to make those kind of adjustments, but I know I have to, because that's part of making a memory. It's more than a picture. I love pictures. Making a memory on your heart and remembering those moments that you share a pizza with someone, a cup of coffee and Dunkin' Donuts. We're too busy. We're too busy. And we're letting opportunities slip by us. I like to learn about people. I like to ask people questions. Where have you been? What have you done? What's exciting in your life? What's some of the memorable people that's come into your life to help you? It's like I like to know the biography of people sometimes. It's like who was there when you were stuck somewhere in life? Who was there to pull you out of the pit? Who was there that inspired you? Was it a baseball coach? Was it a teacher? I can remember back on my life and there were certain people in my life that inspired me. Certain people that believed in me. Certain people that spoke into my spirit and told me that I could be somebody in life. It meant something. It means something now. Why does God say redeem the time? He says understand your priorities. He says if you be risen with Christ in Colossians 3.1 seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above. 
not on things of the earth. So many Christians have their mind on prosperity. There was an article on the internet this morning as I was going through my news channels on, on my uh, phone. That church people, many don't attend anymore because they're so prosperous. You see, I believe when the devil went to God in terms of Job, he said to Job, to God, why don't you just take everything away from him, all of his wealth, his cattle, his gold, his silver. And I bet, God, I bet Job will curse you. And God said, okay, let's see where that goes. And in one moment of time, Job lost his children, his farm, his cattle, his gold, his silver, everything except a nagging wife whose Macy's and J.C. Pentecost didn't work anymore. You know what I believe Satan is saying to God in this last day? Don't take away their prosperity. Give them prosperity. And I believe, and I believe they'll forget you. Just an article this morning. Church people who have become prosperous, no longer attend the house of God like they used to. Imagine that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7.31, deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. The world as you see it is on its way out. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7.31 in the recovery version, it says, those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. We can't be in love with the world. We live in the world but we can't be in love with the world. We have to set our affections on high. Why should we redeem the time? To live seriously for God. It says, I told you before, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Why should we redeem the time? We should be a constant example and witness and role model to those that are in our lives. The Bible says in Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Sinners. People who don't know Christ as we do. Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know you ought to answer every man. What's he saying? We have the ability to give people hope. We have the ability to give people Jesus. We have the ability with our speech seasoned with the salt of God to change the destiny and the life of another human being. Amen. Think of the power that you have within you. What's our reputation? My dad was always concerned about his reputation in our family. We were the Colombo family. My dad told us when we were young, I don't want to get a note from a principal or a teacher or have a policeman come to my door that would sully our name. My dad was proud of his name. He was proud of his heritage. We should be proud of our Christian heritage and not sully the name of the Lord. We should be able to give hope to those. And this is what I believe God is getting the church ready for, for those that want it. That we can give grace to people seasoned with salt. Why? Why should we redeem the time? Because this is the time for salvation. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Time is important to God. Why should we redeem the time? Because life is uncertain. Let me read this to you. It says, he spoke a parable unto them. It said, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? 
So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for your body what ye shall put on. Life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. See, that man thought, I've got tomorrow. I'll build a bigger barn. And God said, you're a fool. Because tomorrow will never come. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says this. These all died in the faith, our predecessors, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and, and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly country. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You know what the Hebrew writer was saying? These people did not long to go back to Egypt. They did not long to go back to the world because God gave them a vision of something greater. That city whose building and foundations is from God. You see, we look at things temporally when God looks at things eternal. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What's God saying to us this morning? Well, I said, Lord... Maybe some people will get depressed when I preach this sermon. But I say, Lord, you've really illuminated my life this week to cherish even more than I've had in the past. Time. Time management. Sometimes we don't realize how much time we waste in frivolous things. When we can invest in other people by giving them our time. And we're all guilty of that. Every time I meet someone, I say, how are you? Busy. That's the buzzword in society today. Everyone is busy. But there's an old song that used to say, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. If we're too busy for God. So what are we saying here this morning through Christ and through the Lord? We need to get up we need to shake ourselves, reevaluate our lives. And those people that come toward us, especially Christians that mumble and murmur and complain, we need to speak to them with seasoned salt and say, thank God you're breathing today. Amen. He woke you up this morning. You didn't have to do it, but he did it. Right. And thank God for the day that you have and make the most of it. Right. You know, I don't know about you sometimes, but sometimes I get into a little rut. And you know, you don't shave, and you don't take a shower, and you're sitting around, and you're murmuring and complaining, and you're getting depressed. Then I say to myself, I shake myself sometimes, and I say to my wife, I'm going to go get a shower. I, I don't know what it is about going on up to, upstairs and shaving and, and, and getting a shower. I, I don't know what it is. And then putting on some real clothes. I, I don't know what it is about that. But I seem to come down with a different attitude. But if I stay there and I sit there, all I'm going to do is dwell on nonsense. So I make that decision. Sometimes I go like this. Shake, shake yourself. Get up. Go do something. And then I'll say, this might be a, a silly thing for you. I tell my wife, do you need anything at Wegmans? Now, that might sound crazy to you, but I love to go grocery shopping. I don't know why. I say to my wife, text me a list. I love to go down the aisles. I'm showered now. I've got some real clothes on. I feel good about myself. I'm on an errand for my wife because I'm doing grocery shopping. I might take a, my grandson with me that I'm watching that day and say, let's go. And he'll say, Pa? Can we get pizza? Sure, we can get pizza. So he gets a blessing. Sometimes you just got to do something different. We do the same thing. Listen, I'm going to ask you a question. 
When you get up in the morning, which sock do you put on first, man? Probably the same foot that you've been doing for the last 20 years. Which leg do you put your pants in first? Probably the same leg you've been doing for 20 years. Which way do you go to work? Same way you've been going for 20 years. You ever think doing something different? You ever think of doing something different? You ever think about putting your pant, your foot in, in the pants leg with a different foot? You, you ever think about putting your sock on the opposite foot? You, you ever think of that? Yep. I try. You, you know when we come to church, we always sit in the same spot. This is my spot. Put a fence around it. <laughs> Territoriality. I own this chair. You ever think, baby? I'll go sit next to Sister Kelly. How you doing, girl? Good to see you. You're looking good today. Thanks. Thanks. Praise the Lord. Thanks for being here. You ever think about that? Oh, no. Wait, wait, this is my seat. And, and, and somebody comes early and they sit in your seat. Ooh, attitude city. <laughs> somebody in my seat. Think about it. Do something different. And this is closing and saying this to myself. I think sometimes we forget to have fun. Yeah. I think we forget when we see children have fun, I don't know if it convicts us and we tell them to be quiet and shut up. Yeah. Why? Because we've become dead. Yeah. We've become impatient. And we have forgotten how to laugh. Fly a kite. Play marbles. What? I'm really old now, aren't I? <laughs> we have forgot to do things that children do. Except you become like a little child. You can't enter into the kingdom of God. Amen? Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Would you stand with us for a moment?